And I've realized that it's because I don't know what a spaceship necessarily looks like, whereas I do know what a train looks like. Hello, you're on the terrace. I'm Vaya Pashos. I'm going to be taking you through this behind-the-scenes look at Night Terrace, the time travel comedy for your ears, kicking it all off with episode one, Moving House. And to get stuck into episode one, I have two of the creators, John Richards, writer of the episode. Hello. And Ben McKenzie, the voice of Eddie Jones. Hi. Or should I say, hello? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you went to character. I did. Amazing. Is he always just simmering below the surface, ready to jump out, Ben? Um, Look, there's probably a little too much of me in Eddie Jones. He's Um, very cheery. But he is. He's a very positive man. He's much more positive than me. I like him a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's not... He's, he's, he's never cruel, but often cowardly. There's this great thing in comedies in which often you split parts of a whole person across the characters. And so mm. I think, you know, an excellent example is Black Books. So if you take Fran and you take Manny and you take Bernard and you put them together, that's a real human being. But individually, they are aspects of a human being. And I love the fact that I think that Anastasia and Eddie are both kind of elements of a human persona, but, yeah. but kind of... And not quite but, complete even, no, the two of them, I no. think, which is what makes them a bit dysfunctional. Mm. Even, I mean, they're much better together, but I think they're not quite all there together either. Mm. And Eddie is a great way in because he, he's, he's very excited about the world around him, mm. curious, and I, I'm sci-fi curious. That's how I identify. <laughs> Good. And well, basically, we're the Eddie. This podcast is the Eddie. It's the Eddie to the Night Terrace and Anastasia. Anastasia. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I like that. And much like Eddie, all I want to do is be near Jackie Woodburn. <laughs> oh, who wouldn't? As a, a neighbours viewer from way back. Mm. Uh, all I do is talk about neighbours in my spare time. And now my new hobby is I just want to listen to Jackie Woodburn as Anastasia in my ears telling mm. me things. Yeah. She is amazing. She does tell us a lot of things. I, it, Eddie, I, it's interesting you say that because Eddie at the start is not entirely sure. He's never not that sure about Anastasia, but he's very unsure about the entire situation in which he finds himself. But I think when we, when we created the character of Eddie, we talked a lot about, you know, we, we, he's obviously fulfilling a very similar role to every, you know, like sidekick character that is the audience identification who's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask the questions that the audience wants answered. But he's also super into it um, in a way that, you know, some of those kinds of characters aren't. And in Anastasia's view, maybe a little too into it. Yeah, because... Yeah. But also I love that. Like, here's this woman who's just been given this chance to travel in space and time and her first, yeah, first reaction is like, oh, this. Like, I just love yeah. that. I love the fact that she's just like, oh, God. And you mentioned black books, much like Bernard is reluctant to sell books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, she's actually quite Bernard Black. Anastasia yeah, yeah. is done with well, what? This nonsense. What was her job? So she worked in an organisation that, I was going to say, it's a bit like ASIO, which for our English listeners is what, MI5? MI5, yeah. Um, so, yeah, kind of like a secretive, you know, x filesy slash, you know, Torchwoody kind of organisation, um, which I like to that the department, we've always kept a bit vague, but our belief, I think, in the backstory is that the department is all about keeping things stable. Mm. Which isn't necessarily meaning that they're good, right? You know, yeah. but just their kind of change is not the thing they want. We had um, one of our friends of the podcast, I think it was Chad, Chad. Uh, made a great sort of mood reel sort of video for the department, which I don't think is quite what they are, but it it sort of was this very 
reminded me a bit of Look Around You, the the comedy science yeah. show, but it was very sort of also authoritarian yes. and weird. He's, his name's uh, his actual Chad. You can find him sometimes online too, and I think on Redbubble. He also designed our logo. Uh, he's yeah, an excellent man. But yeah, the video was great because it was um, a thing about 1960s Australian shopping. I think it might have been about the opening of like a Maya or something. Yeah, yeah. But it's got this like distorted voiceover over the top about how you will buy chickens and all this sort of stuff, and. And weirdly enough, I mean, certainly for me, that video coloured then what I thought the department yeah. should be. I think it actually fed back into the show. They ca- became really a lot more sinister. We are the department. You have been chosen through prolonged covert monitoring and psychological testing to join our organisation. Can you spot a threat? Can you identify a potential risk to global security? We've, we've never revealed that much about them, um, certainly not in this series, but it's, uh, yeah, they've evolved over time. And hec- they've been hectic enough that Anastasia's ready to put her feet up and just... Yeah, she wants out. She's had enough. And just chill out with a cup of tea. Yeah, binge on some Netflix probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was 2014, so maybe not. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. She's got that to look forward not, to. Not over the Australian internet. Do you know, I was thinking about this earlier today. Do you remember when we started this whole project, it was universally agreed that Nazis were bad? Yeah. Do you remember that that has changed oh, in the yeah. time since we started this? A simpler oh. time. We a simpler, simpler time. time when we all went, Nazis, they were bad. We're going to revisit that in a few episodes <laughs> time. No spoilers. So that's the thing. BBC has breathed life into something that uh, you guys and your fellow Splendid Chaps devised in 2014 and produced and Mm. now it lives again. And much like the name Anastasia, which is Greek for resurrection, uh, it lives again. Did you know that, by the way? I did not know that. You have blown our minds. As a Greek lady, I recognised it. And now her career is resurrected. Anastasia Black has just moved into her lovely Melbourne Terrace house, of which we're probably... Not too far from where we're recording in Melbourne right now. Did we say Mooney Ponds at one point? I, I think, I think we, we sort of felt in a north. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I grew up around near Mooney Ponds. I don't didn't get that vibe. I got more of a Carlton. Yeah, yeah. International friends. Well, yeah. Google Carlton. I, I did. Li- I've lived in two little terrace houses that I think of very much being like night terrace, and one of which was in North Carlton, and one of which was in Brunswick. Brunswick. And yeah. Yeah, did they terrace houses architecturally? Did they spring up in Melbourne in the fifties as workers' houses, workers' cottages? I think there's a few. I think there's a couple of different periods of yeah. them. But yeah, fifties. Yeah, I think is probably what we were thinking of. I think that was mentioned yeah. in one point. And certainly the ones that I've lived in in Melbourne have been of that vintage. Yeah, mm-hmm. I dare say the terrace houses we're familiar with were probably. Drunken sharehouses in the uh, early 2000s? I reckon, yeah, it's funny. There is a sharehouse mm. vibe, I think, and it's really weird because there's a couple of things in, in even that first episode that have already kind of moved on a bit. I remember that I thought it was a nice shorthand way to do the answering machine messages to kind of establish this world. And it was Ben, I think, who actually said, does anyone still have answering machines? Yeah. And then we wrote it in as a line. Yeah, Eddie sort of points out how weird that is. Yeah, we lampshaded it. That yeah. Was, yeah, that was my first question to myself. I did let it wash over me. I think it also informs her character. You know, she's not even, she's the kind of person who, if something works, she's not going to throw it out and she'll just keep using it. And she doesn't want it. She wants to have a landline. She doesn't want to carry a mobile around because she's retired. She doesn't need to answer phone she calls. She does all still the have time. that line, too, about it's still the most effective way to not talk to people or something like yeah, that. Like yeah. it's, you know, she's definitely using it as a shield. I thought that was but... great. You still have an answering machine? It remains the state-of-the-art way to never answer your phone. If only I had a way to never answer the door. Please leave, Eddie. How did you know my name was Eddie? 
And that's the whole thing. I think Anastasia's like, she's opted out in that yeah. first episode. How much fun was it just writing a whole reel of messages for that answering machine? Did you write most of them, John? I'm trying to remember I think that. we I all think, contributed I think we a all, few. I think we all threw stuff in because we wanted to give this, this worldview, but there were more than actually, like, it, there were too many. Yeah, there, there were. were. And so we had to cut some out. The internet has learned to feel love. All messages deleted. And also one of them we should mention too is, of course, Nick Briggs, who's the voice oh, of yes. the Daleks on TV's Doctor Who. The real Dalek. The real Dalek, um, the voice of the real Dalek. And he did the voice quite Dalek-y. And I think at one point, I remember David and I were discussing whether or not we should just make it a Dalek. Because <laughs> we, oh, cause we kind of could have, but we didn't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, That may have been a legal grey area. That, that's what we thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the opening sound of episode one is the sound of the kettle, the kettle whistling and the teas, the water's boiling for tea. In fact, tea became... Uh, not deliberately, tea became a theme throughout that whole first series. We actually made sure tea was mentioned in every episode. Yeah, and and I think that continues into the second series as well. It's certainly frequently mentioned, if not every episode. Mm. But it's, uh, yeah, it's just, I think we just all love tea. The Slender Chaps are a tea drinking. But also tea is home. You know, like tea's home and 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 a whistling kettle. Like that idea of trying to give you the most... Uh, suburban view, the kind of home nest protection. And your brain doesn't need that explained. It's Mm, like, I know what a kettle sounds like. Yeah. Whereas I might not know what a spaceship taking off sounds like. Yes. Although in some ways it's funny because when you try, I was in this, um, I've noticed recently I keep seeing very unconvincing CGI trains on things. Mm. And and I've realised that it's because I don't know what a spaceship necessarily looks like. So I can believe it, whereas I do know what a train looks like, you know, so I can, you know, find that quite unnerving to go, that's not a train. Mm. You people have never seen a train. Yeah, and it's the same with, I mean, David Ashton, our sound designer, has talked about this, that when you do those sounds that are like, when we write things into the, I can't remember, what was the original description of the sound of the house, but it's like something like the universe being torn apart and then put back together. And so he makes this amazing sound that sounds incredible and you can imagine exactly what's happening. But if you get the footsteps slightly wrong, people complain because everybody knows what footsteps sound like. Um, But yeah, he's an amazing job. Something else that felt like it was from a bygone era was the door-to-door salesman, which is Eddie. Except still very current at the I time. Still, I get them. And, you know, I have a weird feeling I got them in England too because we were talking about before, do they still exist? And Emily, I haven't lived in London since well, you know, the I mean, turn of the century. The old school traditional one, like I remember when I was a kid and I lived in rural New South Wales, um, we had a, we actually had a door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesman mm-hmm. who came around and like, you know, spilled some salt on the floor and vacuumed it up and demonstrated how amazing that, this vacuum cleaner that was. That is proper Arthur Miller territory. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, and that you don't really get. You don't get people selling stuff, but you do still get people, and certainly I, I got this, and I was still getting them around the time we wrote this, uh, people knocking on your door trying to convince you to switch to a different switch electricity providers. provider. Yeah. And, I get it too, yeah. And do you know that line, and I just remember this, the line, would you like to save money, is literally what one of them said to me, and I did say no. Yeah. And he was bewildered because there was no response. Yeah. So he didn't have a reaction. Like you're obviously meant to go, yes. My go-to response for the energy company that came to my door was, uh, well, my current provider doesn't disturb me in my own home in person. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. But Anastasia doesn't need to spin any of these kinds of yarns. She's just like, I don't need you, Eddie. Yeah. But he's in. Suddenly he's in. And then the terrace house, called Night Terrace, Mm. the nameplate says so, takes off. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit tropey, I think. I was, I, does it get hit by lightning? I think it gets hit no, by lightning. No, it doesn't get hit by lightning. There's a great, like, the, 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 I love this gag because it was just like, we came up with this idea that, no, there's got to be a reason that the house starts travelling 
Um, but it's we never triggered, but, yeah. Uh, but we're never sure what it is, so we want to like put like eight things happening in at the same time. So yeah. there's like a conjunction of the planets, and there's a weird meteorological phenomenon, and there's this other thing, and there's yeah. this other thing, and also look, I found a fifty cent piece, <laughs> and it's just it's just it's a beautiful bit as this weird noise builds and clearly something strange is happening, and she's like, get in here, it's not safe. What's funny to that first episode is um, it's packed full of very straightforward gags about, you know, why the aliens can speak English and all this kind of stuff, mm. um, which are just, you know, silly one-off gags. And then I think over the course of the series, we do actually explain almost all of them. Like, it's really weird that, that we find ways to... That was basically me saying, we've got to explain that, John. Because <laughs> I, I am the... I am, I am the look, I, I don't know if I should say this, but I feel like I am the nerdiest of the nerds on the, on the project. <laughs> and I, I'll own it. I'll own it. And it would be good throughout the series if we could rank everybody... Every guest in terms of extreme nerdery. I refuse, I refuse. Everybody's a nerd in their own way. I I, I wouldn't say I'm the nerdiest nerd, but I'm probably the more traditional nerd in that I worry about things like the continuity and the the facts of the fictional world. So the fictional facts, the 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 facts. There's no word for it, but you know what I mean. I'm completely spoiled by Night Terrace as a neighbours viewer and neighbours commentator Mm. because all I ever want is explanations for certain things. Like why did a tornado hit Ramsey Street one time? (laughs) It could happen. Like it was, well. (laughs) I watched that episode and I was three. It's a three episode arc. It was great. It was a tornado (laughs) warning. It didn't actually get to tornado level. but, but But didn't like a... A, like a building got levelled and someone got trapped in their car under a tree. and Yeah, and, and Jackie, I mean... Um, she had to do an emergency an tracheotomy with a pen. With a pen on Alf, wasn't it? Or is he from uh, Home Away? No, <laughs> Alf is from Home... How dare you? Don't cross the streams, John. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It was Lou Carpenter. Oh, Lou, in, in, in the cafe. And it's funny because I remember trying to, to explain because that was the highlight of that whole you know, um, little thing. Because we, we all watched it. And because she did it via Carl Kennedy's coaching over Carl the phone. phone. And this thing, and I tried to describe someone going, this amazing scene where Jackie's giving this emergency track over me you know, um, while, while, while Carl tells what to do. And he went, why, did, why doesn't Carl just do it? That's a bit rude. Went, no, no, Carl's on the phone. It's like, he thought Carl was just like standing by. <laughs> <laughs> just, What's like, you do? He's Trapped under another tree. <laughs> That's going to cost you double if you get a real doctor. Yeah, yeah wow. So on Neighbours, sometimes you get zero reasons for things happening. Mm. But here on Night Terrace, you get several. That's very nerd. Although very <laughs> nerds do want yeah. to know. Um, like one of the things that inspired us is a company called Big Finish who make uh, Doctor Who audio dramas uh, that are direct you know, download. And they have this amazing tradition of going back and creating whole stories just to fix some continuity issue from 1974. This is such a fan thing to do, John. Yeah. I mean, my one of my first uh, bits of fan fiction when I had my own fanzine, yeah. uh, this is back when I was in high school, was just to explain um, how the second Doctor has a TARDIS in the, the two Doctors. I'm like, what happens? And I wrote this whole short story yeah. just explaining why, not for any good reason except that'll be fun. Because fans want to know. And what I think fascinating about, about Night Terrace is that we started off by writing this you know, episode and then ended up fanning it ourselves to work out, well, how do we go back and fix yeah. that? Yeah, we yeah, went yeah. back and actually... Fixed our own continuity, um, but we also left some things deliberately mysterious, and I and I think that um, some of those are things that maybe we'll explore later. Like, what the hell is Sue? Oh, we yeah, could yeah. not possibly tell you in episode one because at first I thought I was just missing something, but then I was relieved to figure out no, I was allowed to miss it. She's she'll she'll be here. You'll you'll find out. Okay. Yeah. But she's mystery right now. Okay. Yeah. Or and is she? My favourite thing about Sue in this episode is that you we never describe what she looks like. So in my head, she is not a human being. She's an alien. There's also a beautiful sound on her voice oh, that yeah. David devised. There's this sort of twinkling. Yeah. And it's really interesting because it makes her 
just that extra bit weird. Yeah. And magical. But also there is that thing too that this character appears a lot in science fiction and I'm always the one at home going, oh, just tell us what it is. Yeah, yeah. So I like the idea of us actually playing into that going, don't be all mysterious. Because she does plant the clue, Sue, short for pseudonym that she comes up with on the fly, that uh, the way to control the house, the moving house, mm. is through the taps. But she doesn't just say turn on the taps. Which she could. She could have just said use the taps. <laughs> no. But she doesn't. Follow she doesn't. Go where the water flows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're lost and you don't know where to go, <laughs> yes. go to where just the water use flows. The taps. Just say the taps. Yeah, no. Can I ask, just because I'm fascinated, how did you even get Jackie Woodburn? We asked her. Yeah, we honestly did. I mean, that was the thing, because I, I, had, I had seen her perform in Neighbours um, and had been so impressed by her. And then we did have a friend who was a director on Neighbours and I just said, look, what's the best way of getting hold of Jackie? Weirdly, at the time, um, we just got given a direct email for her. So I directly emailed her and I got to say, hey, I wrote a TV show. I'm not completely crazy. Like, I was holding about trying to make myself sound like a proper industry That's how I start a person. lot of DMs. Because in this day and age, when you're making independent podcasts, mm. you are often sliding into the DMs, direct messaging. Uh, usually a lot of uh, stars are accessible. Yeah. And Jackie's one of the few that isn't. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the thing. And she read it. And because I'd start off with, oh, I wrote a TV show once honest, um, it at least had a sort of, you know, air of reality to it. And yeah. um, we'd send her the script and she just really enjoyed the script. And it was funny because I think the first time we ever met her, I'd had a phone call, but I'm fairly certain the table read was the first time yeah. any of us ever met her in person. Yeah, it was certainly the first time I met her. But I mean, I think, the, and this set a precedent for us was basically anytime we created a character and we had an idea of the perfect person to cast in the role, we would just ask them. And the worst thing that would happen is they would say no because they weren't available or they didn't want to do it. And so we just asked somebody else. But most people that we asked said yes and, because and they thought yeah, it was I think great. the only no's we ever got were just availability no's. Yeah. And, I, and that's partly because we were making science fiction in Australia, which we just don't do. And we do, I mean, we don't make that much... Um, you know, scripted drama in Australia no. in the first place. So, um, and we make zero science fiction because, you know, scripted drama television, for example, in Australia costs about a million dollars an hour to make. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's, that's not, I'm not exaggerating, that's about the approximate figure. Um, and that's a lot of money, right? So we don't make that much of it. And what we do make is very sort of mainstream, uh, like we know a lot of people want to see a crime drama or they want to see Neighbours or they want to see this. But they know that the market for, you know, a sci-fi show is smaller than that. So we really only get foreign sci-fi shows, like Amer- mostly American and UK mm-hmm. ones, the occasional Canadian one. And, and, you know, if New Zealand ever makes one, which they do very rarely, um, we we'll get those. Yeah. yeah. But also that thing of, I think, the actors, for someone like Kate Wolf going, hey, Kate, do you want to play a Starship captain? You know, like, like, yeah, we yeah. were asking people who are never, ever going to get asked to play Starship captains yeah. to play Starship captains. And, and I do love that there are so many Easter eggs if you're a comedy nerd. There are a lot of mm, Australian yeah. comedians that cameo. It's, yeah, it's a big name cast. In dramatic roles, that, but with a comedic edge to yeah. them. And a lot of them have got really act, like good acting chops. Yeah. Like one of my favourite things about this episode, Cal Wilson plays one of the main Vrax Knolls, and I do, I just... I just love that gag. And in fact, if you listen to it on the BBC, you'll have missed the fact we, we did need to change the credit sequence for the BBC. They have a sort of a house style, so we had to redo them. And in the original credit sequence, we had the gag where the uh, credits were read out. Cal Wilson played Vraxnol and <laughs> Dave Lamb played Vraxnol. So we trust love was Vraxnol. Yeah, yeah Zachariah <laughs> was Vraxnol. Because, you know, the gag being they all just ha- coincidentally have the same name. But she's, she's great and she really nailed it and particularly I love the line when she's being taken away and she's just screaming, not the day spa! No, not the day spa! Not the day spa! Not the day spa! 
Raquel Wilson I find fascinating because she's got such a distinctive voice. Like she's got a very recognisable voice, mm. but in a fictional project she can become like an oral chameleon. Yeah, and it's a great performance. It's a really fun yeah. performance. Yeah, and Toby Trustlove was great as uh, the other main Rex Knoll. Yes. Um, who just, yeah, he's a delight. I mean, it, at the time we were making this, it was basically illegal to make a comedy show in Australia without <laughs> casting Toby <laughs> Trustlove. So we thought we'd better get on the bandwagon. Um, and he's now he's he's now uh, on TV again as we're recording this. He's in the new Miss, Miss Fisher's Modern Murder Mysteries show. Yeah, Miss Fisher's groovy Get Down Murder Mysteries. Yeah, Steve's reboot. Yeah. It's the. Uh, Is it uh, her daughter? Like It's her niece. It's her niece, and okay. It's the. We can still make money even when Essie's not available. Show. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't she not available because she's making the Miss Fisher movie? Yeah, they're all like, they're working all year round at that joint. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. Something about Anastasia's essence. I just love how unflappable she is. Mm. She's everything I'll never be. Just and again, I relate. I relate to Eddie in he, the way he approaches a crisis. Yeah. The scene where Anastasia has to. Anastasia asks, "Are you freaking out?" That's not very helpful. And I love that she gives him time, which I really like. She, she deliberately says, like, you have, what, 10 seconds or something in order to yeah, freak out. Go for it. Yeah. And weirdly enough, I think that's quite a practical approach to freaking out. It I, is. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the things we recommend. I mean, this, is, this sort of touched on some work that I do with um, school students talking about stress management. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely important to take a bit of time and let yourself freak out a bit. Um, before you try to calm down. You, you can't, you've got to let that out before you can rein it in. You, you make space for it. You feel your feelings. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Eddie does feel a lot of feelings. <laughs> All the feelings. All the feelings. Yeah. Okay, in layman's terms, mm. as sci-fi curious, I'm still getting a handle on some of the science here in terms of you've got the Kessler syndrome. You, oh, you're on yeah. this planet called Tranquilos. Yeah, although uh, we... In, it, I was going to say there's real science in this and then this is not real science in No, this, no, but, yeah. but it's inconsistently pronounced as well, uh, I noticed. It's Tranquilos. Tran- tranquilos yeah. or look, Tranquilos. So we'll go, Tranquilos first is, is just a, a terrible Doctor Who joke on the fact that uh, there is a writer called Terry Nation and Terry Nation always gave his planets the most obvious name. So if it was a desert planet, it was Aridus. If it was a water planet, it was Marinus. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, I like the idea this was Tranquilos as a kind of <laughs> tranquil planet. But the, the other weird thing on that, though, is the Kessler syndrome is a real thing. Um, okay. And, and, and that, that's probably the first example of this weird thing that happened with Night Terrace quite a bit, where we would put something in and then something with a much bigger budget would do it a few years later. So there's a nod towards what the Kessler syndrome is in Gravity in, in mm. the, the movie. The Sandra Bullock movie. The Sandra Bullock movie, because the whole point of the Kessler syndrome is this belief that there's going to be so much rubbish in our orbit um, eventually that we wouldn't be able to launch anything because it would effectively form a shield. It'll Whoa. be like a like a, like a like a human shield, not made of humans. Like a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Lots so of like, little bits like, flying around so fast that they would, you know, punch holes in anything. Yeah, so even if it was a bolt or something, like it would be enough to, to stop anything going through because of the speed it would be going at. So it was fun to use that. And then the catchphrase throughout the episode that it never rains on Tranquilos is because there's these nanogels in the, in the, the atmosphere which they use to absorb moisture. And nanogels so, are real? Nanogels, I have this weird feeling were real-ish. I think I read about them I always imagined somewhere. it as those little sachets you get in new pairs of shoes <laughs> just floating in the, floating in the yeah, orbit. I, I, must admit, I can't remember now if that was a real thing. I think there was something I was reading about a weather control that maybe had some concept yeah. in it. But it's only just. But that's why I like the idea of, of so we've taken that real science and then, you know, yeah. um, Jackie realises, I mean, Anastasia realises she can use it to create a shield. As a, yeah, as a defence, yeah. 
Oh, against, well, we learn that this planet's being attacked by the human race. Yeah, so whereas the castle, I think, is we're worried about being able to launch from Earth and go through, she's using it to stop things from space coming, coming the in. other way. Yeah, although, of course, it works both ways, so the planet is effectively cut off for a for while. For at least, yeah, for a while. And and that's the thing we mentioned in gravity. You know, the whole idea of gravity is that there's a huge amount of objects are kind of starting to spin around the Earth at huge speeds, so... Yeah. Sandra Bullock has to keep moving. Yeah, and, and George Clooney cops it in the face. Spoiler. But then there's risk of them being trapped there, Anastasia and Eddie. Well, except that the ho- the house, we have to assume, travels by magic. No, we, we only... <laughs> yeah, the, the Are house... Are you allowed to say magic when we're... you're talking about sci-fi? Um, I'm a bit of a science nerd as well, so wherever possible I tried to provide, or at least not just me, I mean everybody did this who was writing it, but we try to put little science words... Uh, like real bits of science in, in a way that kind of makes sense. And so, then Einstein Munchausen? Well, Einstein Munchausen is a gag because um, what, she's, what she says about the house is that it sounds like it's forming an Einstein-Rosen bridge, which is like a theoretical two... Um, a wormhole. Like a two black holes that connect together, th- um, forming a wormhole, which so is like a, like a shortcut through space, essentially. You go in one side, you come out the other side almost instantly and you travel across a vast distance. Um, and, you know, the idea that maybe if you had the right scientific machine, you could create one wherever you wanted to go somewhere else. This one goes all through space and time. Um, but she's guessing. And so she says, an Einstein Munchausen guess, Munchausen being a reference to the Baron Munchausen, famous liar. Um, and is that Munchausen's by proxy? It, it is That indeed. is the same place yeah. okay. where it comes from, yeah. It sounded to me like an Einstein carton Skiama Kibble gravity bubble forming an Einstein Rosen bridge before collapsing. But that's just an Einstein Munchausen guess. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a look outside. Raxnels, just break. Does it? Do you have a clear picture in your heads what they are? What they look like? I never did. Did you? I saw. I, I had about three different ones yeah. because we we give a lot of little hints. Like they're first of all, they're very obviously aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, then they say things like, "I love that." There's the running joke that they don't they don't really understand gender because they, they don't no have genders gender at all. or at least not human genders. So they're all like sir or madam. They just don't get it. And that's what that's thing I really like because they, they they work in in service industries and obviously gender is very important to other races and they know that, but they still have no way of telling. So it's always like, "Hello, sir or madam." You know, it's really nice. They try to be as polite as they can. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, but yeah, also they they mention like, "Do you have did you have that number of arms when you landed?" So that it's kind of insinuating that they have more than two arms. Do you know, I have a weird thing they might look like those sea monkeys you used to get in those oh. pictures in the back of comics back in the 70s about, you know, the sea monkey family? Yeah. And, John, I liked that line about them saying to Anastasia, oh, I, Anastasia saying to the Raxnels, oh, I guess we get by. Like, what do the Raxnels do with their other arms? <laughs> well, <laughs> Using I, one to scratch their back? But I, or... I think... Anastasia would have very good knowledge of decorum, of like, you know, mm. of, of uh, what's the word I'm after? She's etiquette. diplomatic. She knows the, the uh, etiquette for, yes. Yeah, although so. she often chooses not to be. I no. think she has that knowledge and often ignores she it. Chooses not purpose. to use it, yes. Yeah. And just logistically thinking of the cast now, were you, did you record this all in one room like the Simpsons cast? Uh, as much as possible, we, we tried to get everyone together because I, I thought there was a lot of timing that would come from that. Um, looking back at the at the first because we, we also record fast we recorded like three and four episodes yeah. in one day in that first four episodes, episodes a day in that first season yeah so we would try and get everyone together but sometimes we couldn't and i remember alan bro wasn't in the recording session and i, and I have this memory of him being the first one we recorded separately and we were there with ben ready to kind of read all the other parts and alan just started doing line after line without any feed at all and you suddenly went oh wow this is really good people can actually just do this yeah 
But most of the time, we if someone wasn't there for the full recording with it, the full cast, we yeah, one of us would read in uh, the lines so that they could feed off that. And it's amazing the seamlessness you can you can get away with. It. Yeah, because yeah. you can't pick it in this in Night Terrors anyway. No, I don't think so. It's a fun game. Talk to me about how the day spa element came into this situation. <laughs> we, we were talking about this. Uh, Petra, um, our other Splendid Chap, who's not here, uh, was looking at the original episode titles, which I'm so glad she preserved because I didn't remember any of them. And she told us that the original title for this episode was The Invasion of the Day Spa Planet, which was, which was great. That also means we must have come up with that idea very early. I have no memory of... Well, I have some of my early notes here. Um, and all I've got written down that would become this idea are things like space war. Like the the original idea was we had to make it about aliens and a space war, but then we were going to make humans the aggressors. And then and then I think we came up with the day spa idea later uh, and, and sort of turned it around to that. So it's like, well, what's a funny place to have a... A, an invasion Yeah, a place that I guess doesn't ever need to be attacked and which was also desperately trying to turn the attack into part of the experience. Yeah. You know, um, so Anastasia's almost drawn in by... She keeps saying no. She keeps saying she, she doesn't, doesn't want to be involved. Help them, yeah. And it, and it does form part of the motivation for her changing her mind because it is like, they can't help themselves. They all just like work in a hotel. They don't know how to save themselves from, <laughs> yes. you know, galactic bombardment. And I do love her line when she says, people need to learn to look after themselves. Anyone can do what I do. Yeah. And part of me is wrestling with that because I'm like, no, you're fabulous, Anastasia. You, no one can do what you do. But then at the same time, there's something comforting in, you know, if everyone, just, if people just stopped and took a minute and figured it out. I find, I agree, I both agree and disagree with her on that line. That's what I like, yeah. 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 Some people do have abilities other people don't have and that people can get annoyed when they don't have the thing that, you know, they're going, oh, they should be able to do this. On the other hand, I also thought, I really like the fact that it is Eddie that brings out in some ways the humanity in her. Mm. Like there's, there's a part where, you know, she's, she's trying to avoid it at first and then he's also kind of helping to nudge her going, well, somebody's got to do something. And I like that in, in this show, you know, Anastasia's always like, yep, those are aliens. Yeah, look, this is an alien planet. And Eddie's always the one going, I don't get it. What's happening? Although he gets better. He, he does get better. I, I do love that bit where he goes, is it Queensland? She's going, yeah. does Queensland have three sons? Which part know. of Queensland? I don't know. I've never <laughs> been to Queensland. I love doing that joke because like my, a lot of my family now live in Queensland, although I've never lived there. Um, I've lived near Queensland, but not in Queensland. And, uh, yeah, it's just... <laughs> that was very funny. And all the Neighbours fans will appreciate that when characters leave Erinsborough, they all they wind up in Queensland. To Queensland. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a metaphor for death. So we come back home, and this is where Anastasia works out, that not only have they travelled through space, they've travelled through time. Because the, the invaders are human beings who have spaceships right. and space bombs and space lasers and stuff. And Eddie's got a great line where he says, oh, that can't be, how can that be? Like, at, back at home, the humans can't even, like, make the ticketing machines work on the trams, which was... Such a Melbourne reference. Very relevant in 2014 Melbourne because they just changed, well, not just, but they'd recently in the last few years before we made this, uh, changed the ticketing and, over to the Mikey. I've got to say, in 2019, they still have an eye on the map. It's fair to say the Mikey system still has many problems. Sure. Yeah. And that's when she goes, well, look, if humans are invading and they have, yeah, giant fleets... Then Must have gone into the future. We're in the future now. Yeah. So that's the thing that, that lets her kind of make that connection. And that was, and I remember when we decided to do that, that it was like we had a list of things we wanted this first episode to do. And obviously it had to introduce the characters, it had to introduce the concept of the house travelling, it had to tell its own story about, you know, an adventure um, and establish the dynamic between Anastasia and Eddie. 
Um, but also we wanted to, oh, anyway, we had to introduce Sue and her weird, mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. And we also wanted to have a reveal at the end that this house doesn't just travel through space, it travels through time. I mean, we now, ever since we first brought it out, we've always referred to it as a time travel show. <laughs> so it wasn't a, exactly a, a no. massive revelation, but it was I nice. I still had that moment of tiny surprise going, oh. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. cool. you don't know and that they've travelled the in time. Too. It makes sense to, to the characters, you know, they learn things spaced out throughout the episode. Yeah, yeah. Than going, oh, one guy. And I thought that was great. You know, I thought I thought you really nailed that, John. And we also realised that Eddie is not just a salesman, a door-to-door salesman and a dancing student. No. He has a minor in trans-dimensional physics. Which never yeah. gets mentioned again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, you know, it, it sort of does, but I don't want to say how. But I thought that Eddie's dancing has turned out to be more useful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. How did he use a grand jeté to he did, save the day? Well, it's a, it's a ballet leap where you basically do the splits in the air. Yeah, mate, Ben, I know what oh, grand jeté Okay, right, right, right. How? He basically kicks, he kicks someone here. in the face. Yeah, he kicks, yeah, he, he he kicks the gun out the of their hands. <laughs> yeah, he just, yeah, yeah, yeah. He basically uses ballet as martial arts, which is, which is pretty, it's the most hardcore thing I've ever done in any acting role in my life. <laughs> It's not what ballet's intended for, too, no, I should say. No, don't, he's, don't he's improvising. Song. He's improvising. <laughs> we also learned that they both speak French, which also never comes up again. <laughs> Did you and Jackie both know French? Oh, no. Were you winging it? Neither of us. Do. Oh, I think Jackie might have known a little bit of French. I feel like it would just be an eight in her. But we just, yeah. look, we just yeah. looked it up. Yeah, she's, she's a sophisticated. <laughs> mm. um, <laughs> it's not how you say that word. She's a sophisticated. There is actually one of my favourite quotes from Neighbours in recent times is Rebecca Almaloglu's character calling another character, she's a sophisticate from the Barossa. A sophisticate from the Barossa Valley is the height of the elite class Is this someone she's Australia. afraid she's going to embarrass or be, be embarrassing in front of? She just can't believe that this woman is slumming it with an ex-crim on the street. Oh, I also no. love the way that you can say Rebecca Maloglu without any kind of pause or, or worry because I find it's one of those names that I always have to stop and think about. Well, it's one of my Greek brethren, so yeah. I, <laughs> I should be able to. And obviously... The soundscape is the huge part of setting the scene here. Mm. Mm. And I'm assuming you guys didn't put that together. No, that's David Ashton. He's a sound wizard. Re-listening to it, I was reminded about how many of the... It's the little bits of sound that I love the most. Mm. Like, um, And and I I talked to him about this and he said it was your idea, John, but I really love that when they're in the alien hover car um, or hovercraft and then they get out... There's the little sound of beep, beep, as they yeah, lock the doors. That's so weird because I was going to say, I thought that was David's idea, but yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, he told me yeah. it was your idea, but it's, I just love that little it's very touch. Funny. It's yeah. very nice, yeah. So that has set us up nicely for the next seven episodes after this. But while we are jumping in the moving house, heading to our next destination, what should people dip into for some supplementary listening? Well, while we're in the whole kind of world of science fiction, audio comedy and BBC comedy, I was thinking maybe Nebulous, if you can find it, uh, written, I think, by Graham Duff and starring uh, Rosie Cavallero and Mark Gatiss, um, which was effectively, in the way that this was inspired by Doctor Who, Nebulous is basically John Pertwee, early 70s Doctor Who in sitcom form um, has beautiful silly jokes in it like there's a great bit where they they fire some retro rockets and then some slightly more modern rockets <laughs> it's, it's that kind of show yes, that's great and it's yeah and it's a really fun show that takes a lot of these very science fiction traditional plots and 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 plays them out in a fun way so yeah if, if you can find that it's around it shows up occasionally on BBC which you'll find on BBC Sounds or the BBC iPlayer app um, and I think you can also buy it on download and such yeah. Um, I well look. Uh, I kind of I can feel like throwing a plug in for Cal Wilson, who recently wrote a book 
for kids. So if you enjoy her work in this and you think, what could we, this is not suitable for my small children, (laughs) only because they won't get any of the jokes, uh, but um, you could buy her book. George and the Great Bum Stampede. Thank you. It is delightful and there are so many bums but also just such precious characters. Mm. Well, I hate it when you buy a book with bum in the title and then it doesn't live up to it. Oh. So I'm pleased to think but that the bum stampede is actually... She plays a long game with the bums, our Cal Wilson. <laughs> she like, does. Oh, she's you, like that. You were waiting for those bums to drop. She knows. She knows it's how tense. to keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> John Richards, thank you for talking me through your process. Thank you. Ben McKenzie, you too. You're welcome. And also Eddie says, thanks. It's been great being here. I'm Faya Pashos. You can catch me on Neighbours, the Neighbours recap podcast at neighbourspod.com and you can find this podcast on the terrace and the show itself, Night Terrace, at nightterrace.com. This episode was recorded at the Stove Monkey Cafe in South Melbourne and we'll catch you next episode for another cup of tea on the terrace. Bye. You have been listening to On the Terrace, a Splendid Chaps production. Find more entertainment for your ears at SplendorChaps.com.